Do you lie awake and ponder ponds of microscopic life? Expose yourself to exoplanets high up in the night? Are you crazed for kinematics? Do you fantasize of fauna? Everybody's got a question, luckily we're gonna Unpack the stack of facts that you think back to every day Attack your ignorance, you'll be unmatched in every way Sit down and lend an ear, all the answers will be clear I'm running out of rhymes, I'll let the host take it from here Hey Ellie. So uh, I was curious today if there's a subject which is actually very, very common in the world of science, but maybe gets uh, blown out of proportion or, or, or maybe misrepresented in, in, in some ways today. Um, I don't know about blown out of proportion, um, mm. but I would say something that is should just be a normal process, but has become terrifying from lack of a better word like I hear this and I get stressed out now um would be greenhouse gases mm. uh and and the reason for that is that greenhouse the greenhouse effect is like um why we can live uh we would not exist without well. the greenhouse effect um but we need the greenhouse effect to work a very particular way for life as we know it to exist Right. Um, and right now, uh, as a group, some of us more than others have been messing with the greenhouse effect. And that's a very bad idea because we need it to work, to live. And right now we're actively breaking it. Um, <laughs> so I thought it would be a good idea to talk about um, what it means for the greenhouse effect to work as intended. Uh, and like kind of how it works, because I feel like I only hear about the greenhouse effect in relation to climate change, but I don't think we really there it is. talk about <laughs> <laughs> so much for your personal challenge. I was going to try to see how long I could wait before I said it. And then the, I said right, it we're in clocking minutes. in at two minutes there. I think somebody check <sighs> the, check the clocks <laughs> Dang it. just right out the gate. <laughs> Boom. There it is. Guys, this is another climate change episode. No, it's not. <laughs> the climate change episode is coming. I'm working on it. <laughs> this is not the climate change episode. This is the prequel. This is the precursor. This sets the stage, gives you all yes. the, the important characters and background information you need. Yes, we're, we're giving you, uh, this is, uh, so let's, if the climate change episode is the Avengers this is Captain America, the first Avenger. <laughs> we're, we're going all the way back to, not to the beginning, because we're not at the Eternals yet. We're so far like, from the Eternals yet. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's, what's Eternals going to be? What's it like when the world is just on fire 24-7? Yeah, yeah. The hope is we don't get even to Infinity War in the climate <laughs> change saga. <laughs> This, the goal is, this is the one franchise we're actively trying to stop from happening yeah. at the moment. The goal with climate change is to stop somewhere around Guardians of the Galaxy. See, even that feels like it, it took too long if That's we're getting correct. to Guardians. We should not have gotten to the Avengers, but here You're we right. are. No. <laughs> now the goal is to be done before Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, let, let's see if we can hit that goal. But in the meantime, uh, let, let's do... Captain America, first greenhouse effect. <laughs> All right. So the greenhouse effect is when gases in the atmosphere trap heat from the sun in the earth, keeping it warm. Uh, if you can picture 
uh, say a greenhouse. <laughs> the greenhouses work. <laughs> no metaphors here, folks. Uh, the word, the, the term is in itself a metaphor for what's happening. If you've ever been in a greenhouse, even when it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it stays, um, the heat just keeps itself impact and it's like a self-sustaining little warm air bubble. Yes. And so the, a, a greenhouse is like a small version of what it's like to be the planet. So the planet mm-hmm. is essentially a giant greenhouse. So energy travels from the sun to the earth. And it provides heat and light, you know, so we can live in stuff. Right. So that, it's why when on a like a cold winter day, you're not like legitimately freezing your ass off. It's like, no, there the, some of the heat from the sun has like stayed trapped inside. So you guys can't like we're not a frozen like tundra quite yet. You, we got a little bit of this extra stuff stuck in here with you. Right. Right. And there are if you have a if we had a different atmosphere that would feel very different. So we have a specific mm. composition of gases that lets a specific amount of light um not, not to jump ahead but it's the difference between earth looking like earth and earth looking like mars to some degree, right? There's yeah. some obviously a little bit of like differences and other things that, that factor into that, but yeah, but the, the differences in their atmosphere are a big piece of that. So what happens is our energy from the sun travels to the earth, and then some of that energy is absorbed by the ground, by water, um, by structures that we've built, but most of it's reflected back into space as infrared light. So mm. just the earth, the ground and the water on earth absorbing energy is not enough energy. Right. Um, so if it was just all reflected back out, all of the infrared light was reflected back out, it would not be warm enough on this planet to live. That makes Even sense. if we had the same amount of water, ground, whatever. Right. Other things would look different if we didn't have the same amount of light that we do, but like that would be um, that's, that's all the things biggest, the same. Yeah. We still wouldn't be able to exist. So what the greenhouse gases do is they absorb most of that reflected light and then turn it back towards the earth. So it's essentially okay. like, um, like a, a trampoline for energy. So the earth okay, comes in, right. so our light comes in, it bounces yep, back down. out, and then we okay. add the second trampoline so that it can bounce back down to the ground. <laughs> We're trying to so make our light be like. <laughs> it's less like a trampoline and more like one of those trampoline or like a bounce house or one of those trampoline gymnasiums you can go to. Let's. Yeah, we're turning our earth from a trampoline to a bounce house. <laughs> exactly (laughs) remember when we said that we're not using metaphors we lied using very labored and intensive metaphors that we hope you're following i think it makes perfect sense (laughs) no 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 it's great no we we got it the earth is like a trampoline that we need to turn into a bounce house i think the people got it yeah yeah okay so I think I'm going to roll with the bounce house theory for a while. I'm going to keep this. (laughs) Oh no, we committed. (laughs) Yeah, I'm committing to this bit. All right. So Mars has a much thinner atmosphere compared to Earth, meaning that it's Mm. unable to keep heat in. So instead of a bouncy house, it's a trampoline with like a sad little gate around the outside. Um, (laughs) First of all, (laughs) trampoline with sad little gates can be just as fun as a big giant bouncy house. I just want to put that on the record. Yes, but you're much more likely to get injured. <laughs> yeah, fair point. And and 
in both situations, I don't want Elon Musk in either of my trampolines, if I'm being perfectly honest. That is completely correct. And that metaphor does hold up to the greenhouse gas effect. Yeah, I, do I think, not want I think Elon so. Musk involved. No. Um, ah, Jeff Bezos as well. Aha, got him in. Oh, you're right. Hey, yep. Nope. That was a good pull too. Yep. Neither of them should, should weigh in unless they're saying we're finally going to do something. Um, or we're going to give money, all of our money to the people who do know how to fix stuff. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's, that's how they do things. Rich people only know how to do one thing and that's throw money at something. Yeah. So on the other hand for Mercury, so Mercury is our trampoline with a small gate. There's not enough atmosphere to keep heat in mm-hmm. to the point where it would be habitable. So it's not able to regulate heat very effectively. So, um, it's the opposite. Mercury, it's too, it becomes too hot. Yeah. And Mercury is too close to the sun. So it'd be very hot. So so Mercury with an equivalent atmosphere further away from the sun would be very cold. Yeah. Um, and so Venus, on the other hand, Venus's atmosphere is actually the major- majority carbon dioxide, which is a greenhouse gas hmm. um, versus our atmosphere is majority nitrogen, which is not a greenhouse gas. Um, so Venus's atmosphere is mostly carbon dioxide and its surface temperature is over 400 degrees Fahrenheit. What feels like it'd be a problem for, for a couple different animals that I can think of off the top of my head? Yep. Yeah, everything Humans, be number dead. one. Much, much before we get to 400 degrees, everything will be dead. Significantly before. But um, you'll be able to cook your brick oven pizza real, real fast. So that does seem like kind <laughs> of a benefit, if I'm being real. It would be like literally living in an oven. I mean, um, okay. Yeah. I've yeah. worked in kitchens. I, I get it. I've been been in that lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be like working in a kitchen, but you were actually sitting in the pizza oven and there was no way to leave. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how kitchens work. Oh, I didn't know that. There's no way to leave ever. Ah. Let's trap you in the system forever. <laughs> that might be capitalism. I might've gotten my metaphors mixed up there. That sounds fine. That doesn't <laughs> seem like a problem at all. No, 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 no. Um, so as a, as a, as a comparison to earth, so Titan, which is a moon that orbits Saturn, actually has a similar level of greenhouse effect to earth from uh, hydrogen and methane. So is carbon dioxide and water on earth. Is that how, how Thanos and Star Fox were able to live there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and <laughs> just get to that one real quick. <laughs> sure. <laughs> from Titan, Ellie. They do talk about this. I didn't, I didn't catch that part of the lore. Actually, I missed that. That's yeah, yeah. Titan had a giant city on it and then they all fucked it up. But, you know, hmm. his brother's still alive. We'll, we'll see how, spoilers for all the Marvel movies, guys. If you're not, we, we've already used this metaphor, so we're hoping you're caught up. And if you have no idea who Thanos or Star Fox is, um, congrats on not being a nerd, I guess. Like, you, you made better choices than us. What do you do and listen to this podcast? I was going to ask that question next. Like we've used so many Marvel metaphors at this point. (laughs) We didn't lose you? Cool. (laughs) So as much as it has a similar greenhouse effect, it's much further away from the sun. So its surface temperature is negative 180 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, it seems bad. Yeah. But part of that is because it also has an anti-greenhouse effect due to like a haze in its upper atmosphere. So, um, so it, the gases in, in its air, instead of keeping things in, almost make it easier to spread out. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. That would suck. That would not be good for us. I feel like we're headed in that direction, actually. 
gonna be fine. Uh oh. Well, <laughs> spoilers. Spoiler alert, guys. Uh, That's what we call so, Easter egg. So in in our atmosphere, the gases that lead to the greenhouse effect are carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, and water vapor. Mm. Um, so they all enter our atmosphere through different processes. We are going to talk about them all. Um, so because if you talk about how these gases cycle in and out of our atmosphere, you actually mm-hmm. go through like most of the major like cycling processes on Earth. So, so it's just like the water energy. cycle, the, the uh, oh God, but I, I had a couple and then my mind went blank. Oh no. Uh, we're going to talk about the carbon cycle, the nitrogen cycle and the water cycle. Carbon is the one I had and then just went blank, gone. Yeah, so the carbon cycle is how we get carbon dioxide in the air. So the carbon cycle is the movement of carbon through living and non-living things. Um, It involves photosynthesis. So photosynthesis uses carbon dioxide to make sugar and oxygen. Mm -hmm. Thanks, plants. There you go. And then uh, the opposite of that is combustion or respiration or decay. So combustion is what it sounds like, burning. Respiration is breathing and decaying and decomposing. Um, but combustion isn't like, doesn't necessarily have to be a literal fire. It can be like the mm. burning of like, uh, you can, pro- living things can combust. I would say burning energy inside your cells or yeah, yeah, stuff like that. So combustion is the burning of sugars or energy molecules to produce carbon dioxide and water. So what so, you're saying is we, we in many ways are basically always creating carbon to replenish into the atmosphere. Right. Um, but there are other processes that take it out. So you kind of have this natural balance of you have a certain amount of carbon on the earth and it is constantly changing um, into sugars and back into carbon dioxide. Um, carbon and nitrogen and, and water are changing form, if not molecule, pretty frequently. Um, water tends to stay water. Um, but nitrogen and carbon will move in and out of different um, molecular compounds, which is kind of cool, I think. Um, So the nitrogen cycle is a little bit different. So the nitrous oxide is emitted from bacteria breaking down nitrogen in the ocean and the soils. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, so you have your nitrous oxide coming out of the soil and out of the ocean, and then it's removed from the atmosphere through bacterial absorption, or it can be broken down by UV light. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say these cycles are a lot more complicated than this. I'm just kind of introducing like the major things to be like, how does it go up? How does it go back down? And then we're going to move on. Um, <laughs> to, to other future episodes, maybe is what we're yes. going to call it. Like we're little teases. Yeah. So these cycles are really like the engines of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty much every living thing is involved in these cycles in some way. Um, but something I, I did want to highlight is that a lot of times, like the smallest organisms are the main drivers of these cycles. So, right. uh, like phytoplankton are one of the, I, I think the biggest, um, like carbon sink that we have. So carbon sink means something that's taking carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and processing it. And keeping There's it just so much, uh, like phytoplankton and algae that exist that it's just able to absorb and, and use the carbon dioxide in order to, uh, create, it, doesn't, it leads to creating oxygen for us. Right. If I'm remembering that right. Yep. Yep. So they're producing sugar and oxygen and plants do some, uh, combustion and respiration as well. Um, but if you balance it all out, they end up, I believe, pulling more carbon dioxide out than they're putting back in. Gotcha. 
versus uh, we do not photosynthesize. We exclusively yeah. burn. Although, you know, when I went outside on like the first nice day in the spring, I swear I photosynthesized. Like, it's just so nice to be out in the sun. <laughs> and in my brain, I'm just like, I'm just a plant with anxiety, aren't I? Like, <laughs> I think there's, it's probably not exactly the same thing, but I do think there is, there is something to be said about the effect that having actual sunlight on your, on your face and body it at least warms, like warms your cells up or something. It feels like maybe if not photosynthesizing, at least speeding up some of these processes and maybe leading to a hopefully happier life I, in the short term. I would be completely honest. I have no idea what the, uh, the chemistry behind uh, sunlight feels good is. Um, I just know that it does. Um. I, think, I think we just were creatures that were raised outside, so it feels good when we're back outside. It does. It's real nice. Yeah, we, we, we had a nice day a couple days ago, and I was just like, hmm. This, this has been like our kind of, like we, we had some teases, like you, you know how it gets over here, and it was like one really good day a couple weeks ago. It immediately snowed the next day. Uh, oh, yeah. It's kind of been a little cold if we're having a nice day today and a neighbor was just like, oh yeah, it's raining later tonight. And I'm like, of it is. <laughs> come on. Yeah. In, in Nova Scotia today, we had, uh, yesterday we had 15 to 20 centimeters of snow, which is yep. like four or five inches, mm. um, you know, and it's April and then say, today, stuff. today it was 50 degrees Fahrenheit. There you go. Um, See how long it lasts. Yeah, somewhere between 10 and 12 for our Canadian listeners in Celsius. I'm working on converting back and forth. Um, I did realize that all of my uh, atmosphere temperatures were in Fahrenheit, and I don't have a great benchmark for numbers that oh, are that well, big. So. <laughs> so apologies to our any of our listeners outside of these United States. Yeah. Suck it and deal with it. Yeah. I did hear someone uh, on a, a TikTok a few days ago be like, measure something in Fahrenheit and then be like, give the Celsius for anyone who doesn't measure in freedom. Uh, and it made <laughs> you laugh so hard. <laughs> hey man, it's not our fault. They don't respect our right ways of doing things ass backwards and originally. Anyway, so, you know, biological processes. So we've talked a little <laughs> bit about the nitrogen cycle. We've talked about the carbon cycle. And um, I'll talk a little bit about methane as well. So methane is uh, much more than cow farts. Um, it's basically just cow farts, though. It's actually mostly emitted by natural sources like wetlands. But it's better to, to make the corporations feel bad if we say that it's from cow farts. Um, but they're also removed by soil processes that also exist in wetlands. So you can actually just keep the wetlands and mm. then be okay. Like those wetlands are good. Um, well, but that means we can't have more parking lots. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's a real even trade-off. <laughs> <laughs> either, either keep living or have places to park our cars outside of Walmart. Like who, who's to say what's the better option? I have an answer to that question, but I think like it might be too political to say on this podcast. We don't um, want to get too radical up in here. <laughs> so the last, the last one I want to talk about is, is the water cycle. So as part of the water cycle, water evaporates and enters the atmosphere as water vapor, and then we'll leave the atmosphere as rain or condensation. Um, 
That's just, uh, most people probably know this one. They're, that's in like second grade or sometime in elementary school. So, it you is know, it, hopefully you guys are, you know, it's, it's the stuff that leads the, the lake water turning into rain water, turning into the drinking water. Like, come on, we, we got this guys. Yeah. We all drew a cartoon of this as second or third graders. I think would be about right just, for around that time, at least American education. I think that's about the correct time for drawing the water cycle picture this is when we find out like canadian education have like really in-depth diagrams explaining like legit and worded like in america where it's like color the blue arrow blue <laughs> i learned i feel like we probably colored the same picture nick because i'm, I'm like, also, I'm picturing sure the same did. picture right now <laughs> there's, there's no way there isn't just a database of like the same diagram that every teacher just like prints off depending on what the class is like that's this, yeah. it's the way I'm picturing the three big arrows. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Three big yeah. arrow, and you have like the land on one side, there's the sky, and then it like, it's like a very specific location that only exists in California, as far as I can tell. It's like, <laughs> there's no place that meets up with these three things this well. Like, I just, I don't believe you. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to get into a scenario that I think we don't talk about Uh, And it probably won't become relevant super soon, uh, given current trends. But I wanted to talk about what what would happen if there's like not enough greenhouse gases. I'm sure it'd be fine. That's why when there was a concern about there being holes in the greenhouse gases, we didn't do anything for a long time, I assume. So that's the ozone layer. It is a little bit of a different vibe, but it's kind of the same fucking with the atmosphere is a bad idea. Yeah. Um, so a hole in the in the ozone layer layer actually has to do with like the amount of harmful rays that we're letting in in the first place. So there is some stuff that gets reflected before it even hits us in general. And gotcha. the ozone layer is a big piece of that. So it's kind of like our protective shield around our greenhouse um, to keep too much of like harmful rays for things like UVA, UVB light that might like give us skin cancer. Um, you don't want Other too much of that getting through. So if there's a hole in the ozone, that's one of the ways that that can cause problems as well. Um, but if there's not enough greenhouse gases, so it means we won't have enough of that greenhouse effect. So you have too much energy that's escaping and just going back out into space when we mm-hmm. need it here. So the earth would, you know, slowly cool off, not in an ice age way and like a, um, again, and, and everything's going to die kind of way uh, if we don't have enough greenhouse gases. That kind um, of wasn't, that was sort of the ice age, just it'd be bigger than the ice age. So there's actually not historical instances of there not being enough greenhouse gases. Uh, I, I'm just saying in terms like that, that kind of same of like everything, it, it'd be a much bigger version of things starting to chill and shut down. Like it would not be, yeah. they're not one-to-one, but it's that, that same feeling of something has changed in, in the earth. We're not keeping temperatures the exact same way. This would just be, if we got rid of it completely, the most extreme, we're all dead version of that. Right. So like, let's, let's say we found a way to, instead of producing energy by producing carbon dioxide, for some reason, we were able to use carbon dioxide, mm-hmm. to produce energy. Um, so like, if we were to find a way to use photosynthesis for our industrial processes and start doing the absolute opposite of what we were doing. Right. eventually we would pull too much of this out of the atmosphere and it would still be a problem. So there's the balance 
What I'm trying to emphasize is that the balance of greenhouse gases, the way that it is on Earth, our atmospheric makeup staying the same is important mm -hmm. uh, to pretty much everything we do. Like we've talked about all of the fundamental biological processes that are based on atmospheric gases. Those cycles only work if we have, you know, an atmosphere that's 70% right. nitrogen. If, if you take out some of the details and the things that make the, the greenhouse work, then suddenly those cycles fall apart. Right, right. You're, you're essentially like, um, like scoring that what we're doing right now is essentially like scoring the panes of glass. Um, yeah, there you go. Like, that's going to cause some problems. Eventually, we need to stop doing that. <laughs> um, or the whole greenhouse is going to fall over. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're getting real close to the greenhouse falling over. So we really need to kind of get we'll on probably that. Start put up some of those structures back in place if we can. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, as, as an alternative, if there's too much of the greenhouse gases, too much of the en energy from the sun will be reflected back towards the earth. The earth will very slowly start to heat up. And that is what's happening right now. That's, that's the um, reverse ice age. Yes. So let's just say hypothetically, as if we haven't been talking about, if, as if it's not the elephant in the room from this entire episode, let's just say the ratio of gases it. in our atmosphere is wrong. You know, let's just say it's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how would we fix that? So the, the there are natural processes that remove greenhouse gases from the atmosphere, but they're designed to keep things at an equilibrium. They're not designed right. to pull huge amounts of greenhouse gases. You don't want to mess with it too much. Yeah. So you would need to find a way to either increase these methods to lead to cause negative emissions if greenhouse gases are too high. So the first thing that would need to happen is that... Um, emissions would need to stop. So whatever is increasing the amount of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere needs to stop. And not mm -hmm. only that, if there's already too much in the atmosphere, we have to find a way to store the carbon, the extra carbon that we put in there, we need to take it out. There we go. Okay. That makes sense. Um, that would put things back at a, a more equal level and would avoid, avoid disasters. Right, right. Because you need that way to store the extra, the extra carbon or the extra, in this case, we're talking about extra carbon dioxide. Right. Um, but if we were producing a lot of nitrous oxide or a lot of methane, the same problem would happen. And you would need a way to store that stuff on top of making sure that the cycles are working. So all of the greenhouse gases, since they have those natural cycles, they don't just remove. So you need to find a way to restore that balance. It's not as simple as, um, just removing stuff, but then continuing to emit at the same point. Like that's still a problem. Um, so that's, um, that is my hot take on <laughs> reducing uh, emissions. <laughs> there you go, a, a simple, elegant solution. Uh, I'm sure everybody's going to listen to it and, and we're not gonna have any, any problems with greenhouse gases in the future, no doubt. Yeah. Um, I think the, the 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 thesis of that is that it's like there are lots of things that we can that cool things we could invent invent that pull greenhouse mm. gases out of the atmosphere and that is great we need those they are part of the solution. However, sure. they're not the solution. The solution right. is to stop emitting things. Right. Um, like that is that is ultimately what needs to happen. Like there's really kind of no way around that. We need to okay. adjust to emitting less. It, it is both possible to, to be excited about a, a new technology that can help a problem like this, while also recognizing there is, is stuff we could be doing in the immediate future that would have a very similar effect as well. Yes, 
Yeah. But we are at the point where we do have too much, right? Like we're already seeing the effects of Mm. climate change. There's already too much stuff in the atmosphere. So having something that would reduce that amount of carbon would be great, but we also need to stop increasing the amount of carbon like now. Um, And then we can take what we've already put in out. So we've kind of already screwed this up. Um, The question is how much worse are we going to make it for ourselves? Are, gonna, are we going to double down or are we actually going to pause a minute and go, hey, uh, this is bad. And we can all agree this is bad, right? Yes. Yeah. And the, I think that the, the optimistic take on fixing climate change is that we always have the opportunity to start to fix things. Um, the pessimistic is I mean, that it will be eventually, things, but well, the pessimistic thing is that things can always get worse. So we need to stop before things get real bad. <laughs> <laughs> it can either get better or it can get worse. And uh, we're, we're trapped between making that decision right now, it seems, for some reason. Yeah, I don't totally understand it, but hmm. yeah. Either do something that will ultimately help not only me and my family down the road, but will help all of humanity, or I can cash in this check right now and not think about what happens later down the line. Yep, that's exactly what's happening. A lot of people fail in the marshmallow test. <laughs> damn shame yeah right i i guess have- that's been a depressing everyday dissection hasn't it that's i was gonna say just do you have any other questions about greenhouse gas <laughs> maybe something that's like a little happier like like what's like a <laughs> it's an unfortunate subject that is both fairly straightforward and also just because of uh the current world we live in, it's just, I wish there was a happier ending. And I, 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 you know, not a lot we can do. Yeah. Things need change. We are starting to, to wade into the topic that is likely going to be the main thing that we deal with in yeah. our adult lives. This is what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> um. <laughs> Have you ever thought about how there's a, an entire uh, movement and, and one like young woman in particular who grew up uh, like blew up and became very famous just because she dared to tell people in charge, hey, I think you're going to kill my generation. Like that feels like something like maybe that says something about what we did as a society. That's not maybe a net positive. Yeah. Yeah. And just the the feeling of like your future and your adulthood is is ruined is uh, something that uh, hits a little close to home. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we just made it more depressing. I actually don't we think did. we did. We, 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 we I tried. think we just made it worse. Yep. <laughs> we got to have any happy stories? Nope, nope, not, no, not in this no, one. Nothing. Yeah. Nope. No. We should probably the most inspirational thing we got a, a group of children doing the task that adults should have done 30 years ago. Oh, man, when you say it like that, that's not heartwarming at all. Yep. What I. I like to go uh, visit classrooms via Zoom and like talk to mm. students about science and stuff and climate change comes up a lot. And that is usually what I tell them when it comes to their action is to talk to kids about joining big movements and collective action yeah, and stuff. I, I think um, to their credit, like our, our generation, I think was the first to kind of really like hone in on the, oh, like this shit's happening now sort of thing. And every gen, like, even, you know, there's a, there's a 
age gap between us, but like even the, the difference between my generation and your generation a little bit, where it feels like there's a lot more motivated people. And then just the younger you get, the more like, I don't, I don't know, my hot take is maybe second graders shouldn't know that the world has like at best 150 years left in it, you know? that feels like something you shouldn't have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, but clearly a lot of kids think about it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something that's on kids' minds. It makes me a little sad that they have to think about this because this means they have to grow up pretty fast and think about big world issues when they're young. But I think all kids do that to some level. Like, I don't know, when I was little, I was thinking about big stuff too. And I think it's good that kids can get involved. So yes, no, I, I agree. And it's, I'm not trying to like, kids are, are way more intelligent yeah. than I think most adults are willing to give them credit for. I'm just, my point was more, it'd be nice if they were being inspired by like, you know, by, by not trying to prevent the world from ending. Yes. I guess it's good. They don't want the world to end. I do have to <laughs> admire that since clearly so many other people do not care, but it's, it's more the idea that I, they should be thinking about other stuff than that. I nice completely way. agree with you. Yes. <laughs> and I remember we wrapped this up and that was 10 minutes ago and we just got more and more depressed. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is the actual everyday dissection. <laughs> I'm Ellie Bisa. <laughs> I'm Nick Lemmer. An everyday dissection is hosted by Nick Lemmer on Twitter at Lemmer underscore Nick and Ellie Bisa on Twitter at AllAllelElly. You can find the podcast on Twitter at eDissect and on our website, anchor.fm backslash an everyday dissection. Our theme music was written by Evan Zobel and our art was created by Madeline Hendrickson, who you can find on Instagram at art that is no bueno. Like our podcast? Please leave a review and don't forget to like and subscribe. And today's totally real science fun fact While a greenhouse and a hotbox might sound like the same thing, they're actually completely different, except for the warm, fuzzy feeling after you leave.